0: Dear friends in Christ, grace and peace be unto you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. So we have two men, shipwrecked, stranded on a desert island. One is cheerful and upbeat. The other is nervous and downhearted. And the second man speaks first. He says, why are you so happy? Don't you know we're never going to be found? It's miserable here. We're going to surely die in this God-forsaken place. And the first guy says, cheer up. We'll be fine. My annual church commitment card is due next week. And my church always manages to find me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, congratulations. You've been found. (laughs) Lucky you, huh? You're thinking. Just that time of year when you grin and you bear it. Belonging to a church. Kind of an unfortunate necessity. Having to hear about giving. And if you happen to be a visitor today or new around this place, you could be uh, a little worried, thinking, I wonder if this is what they talk about all the time. Maybe you're already squirming in your seat, thinking, oh, all right, I can stand it once a year when we have to go through this, when they comfort the afflicted. And instead, my church starts to afflict the comfortable. Uh In our two lessons for today, we have two very different pictures of two very different people. One is a group of Christians in Corinth who love to give, who have a reputation in that part of the world for the offerings that they took on behalf of other people. They were known for generous giving. Crazy kind of giving. Way beyond what anyone would expect. And the other picture is a sad one. A very rich and blessed young man who walks away from Jesus having been asked to give that which he was unable to give, that is, to give it all. And so he walks away downcast and sad and disappointed. In the first lesson from 2 Corinthians 9, Paul tells the congregation in his appeal for a special offering to be distributed to the needy in Macedonia. He says, each one of you in this special offering should decide what you want to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. Because what God loves, Paul says, is a cheerful giver. Actually, the word is hilarious. God loves hilarious. Giver, And so I want to preach this morning in the spirit of Paul's note to the Corinthian Christians. His words about generous giving with good cheer. His words about giving ridiculously, hilariously. Now I don't know about you, but for me, late night TV has never been the same since David Letterman stepped away. I miss his kind of self-deprecating, satirical sense of humor. So this year I was thinking about our stewardship emphasis, and I thought it would be fun to pay David Letterman a little homage and create my own top ten list. So that's what you're going to get this morning. Here it is, my top ten reasons not to give to your church. That's right. <laughs> so here we go in descending order. If we had a drum roll, we would have that too. You may Number ten, you may not want to give to your church if you're broke. If you're busted flat, nada, you got nothing. Don't give. Because earlier in the same letter, Paul reminds the church in Corinth we're to give out of what we have. So if you got nothing, you got nothing coming in, you have no resources, well, then what are you going to give? Now notice it doesn't say give out of what you have left over. First fruits giving. Giving first for the kingdom is what the Bible teaches about it. Giving off the top. Some of us who practice this kind of giving call it dangerous giving. Because we're not giving from leftovers, but rather it comes out of the same pocket you use to pay the mortgage, and buy groceries, and make your car payments, and buy gas, and doctor visits and fast foods and Starbucks, it's truly an act of devotion. It's stepping out in faith. It takes discipline, just like anything in life that takes discipline. Anything that we value. Raising children, I mean, that's an act of faith. Exercise, prayer, worship, it takes discipline so too giving takes discipline. There's nothing here or anywhere in Scripture that says you substitute your good works for good giving. So if you're broke, if you got nothing coming in, nothing in storage, nothing in the bank, I would say go ahead and stop giving. Number nine. You might want to not give to your church if you believe it all belongs to you and it's all better off in your hands anyways. Good stewardship begins with the conviction that all that we have, like I was talking with the kids, all that we have, all that we are, belongs to God. God has entrusted to us what we have what we receive. God has given us those things to care for, to enrich our lives, and to bless the world. Now surely you've likely had a hand in making that what it is. But while you've had a hand in it, God's had both hands on you. Number eight. You may want to stop giving if you're tired of Jesus meddling in your financial affairs. (laughs) See, Jesus is a meddler. I have a, a picture framed in my office that I've had through the years. It says, Jesus and his troublemaking go merrily along. I was calculating things this week. I had time to do it. Faith, the word faith, is mentioned 246 times in the Bible. Hope is mentioned 185 times. Love is mentioned 733 times in the Bible. And giving is mentioned 2,282 times in the Bible. So apparently it's of some import and concern for those who would follow Jesus. Now, why is it mentioned so often in the Bible? Well, I think it's a trust issue. I mean, you don't have to break the bank, do you, for faith, for hope, for love. But sacrificial giving, yikes. Listen to this little nugget regarding the subject from the prophet Malachi, the very last book of the Old Testament, chapter 3, verse 10. This is what the prophet says the Lord is saying to the people of God. Bring the whole tithe, 10%, into the storehouse. That was always at the temple. That there may be provisions for the people of my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have enough room for it all. Test me in this. Wow. Give me some of that. That's the kind of blessing I want in my life. Biblical giving has been and always will be a matter of trust. So, you may not want to give to your church if you don't want Jesus meddling in your financial affairs. Number seven, you may not want to give to your church if you believe the church no longer offers to the world what it needs. If the church is just another fine, upstanding institution in our community, if it's simply a place where you hold membership, that you visit on occasion, where you once in a while pay your dues or pay as you pray, I mean, if the church no longer offers what the world needs, then I suggest you don't give to it. Jesus gave us the church. Jesus gave us the community of believers because life is not easy. The church proclaims a gospel that reminds us that we are only strong when we lean on Jesus. The church proclaims that there is somehow strength in our weakness. That we become first by being last. That we receive more By giving more. I know it's crazy, but we proclaim a gospel that reminds us that you're not okay. And I'm not okay. But that's okay. It's a gospel where sacrifice is valued, where others come first. It's a gospel that proclaims that this world is not about me. So fundamentally, the church is to be about what the world cannot offer us, what the world does not offer us, hope, peace, forgiveness, strength of soul. However, if you believe that the church no longer provides what the world needs, then you shouldn't. Give to it. Number six, you may not want to give to your church if you think that money, unlike manure, doesn't need to be spread around. Remember the promise to God's chosen people was this. I am blessing you that you may be a blessing. The truth is this, generous, even sacrificial giving breaks the grip that materialism has on our lives. Matthew 6, Jesus says, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. No one can serve two masters. Either you're going to hate one and love the other, or you're going to be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. In other words, we who are called to follow Jesus are called to use our money and love people. Not the other way around. Remember that bumper sticker? The one with the most toys wins. What about that? In my book, The One with the Most Toys Still dies. So you might not want to give your money if you believe it's better off in your hands than with God's people. Number five, you might want to stop giving to your church if you're pretty sure God doesn't want or need your help. (laughs) Folks, there's no plan B, (laughs) you're it. I mean, we're it, you and I. We are God's feet and hands and heart in the world. Flawed as we may be, as imperfect as we may be, God is committed to us and to our making it. Most of us, we've been so blessed. God has made it possible for Kristen and I to live and save on about 85% of our income. That means that we've been blessed in such a way that we've been able to use 15% of what we bring in uh, for the benefit of God's kingdom, to give it away. Just look at what God does through you and through us, together with other givers. Think about it. People are fed and housed. Children are loved and cared for, singing happens, God is glorified, the gospel is proclaimed and spread, we respond to calamities and disasters together, mutual love and concern for those among us is happening. God wants us to excel in this grace of giving, wants it for us. And the world needs it. Number four, you might want to stop giving if you believe that giving is not an act of worship, that it has nothing to do with your worship. The God-given directive, however, is to give as an act of worship. That's why we pass the plate. It's a way for you to say amen, hallelujah. A way for you to acknowledge in front of God and others, I believe this. I believe that God has put this in my storehouse so that I can share it with others. And the Bible takes it back to the beginning, this concept of sacrifice. And eventually, God's people began to see the tithe as a way of measuring it, 10% of all the produce And all the earnings in your house. And the beauty of this is that in today's world, you can do this even when you're not here. I mean, no one's here every week. But the ministry goes on and the expenses go on. And now you can give by pushing this little button on a website that says Give Now. Or you can set it up so it's electronically happening. There's all kinds of ways in today's world you can be offering yourself regularly from wherever you are. Sacrificial giving. We try to give everything we can through the church. We can't possibly give to every cause that's out there. So if it's possible for you to come and worship to to come here and experience God's grace, to hear the good news, to sing God's praises, to receive direction for daily living, to experience the joy and the company of other believers. If all that's possible, and still you're not driven to joyous and generous giving as an act of worship, then I would say, don't do it. Stop giving. Number three, you may want to stop giving if you're not confident that God will bless your generosity and your sacrifice. As I mentioned when we started, verse 7, Paul says, each one of you make a decision. Do it. God will make it happen. In verse 8, he says, God will provide generously all that you need. You'll always have everything you need and plenty left over. And remember what God said through the prophet Malachi. Test God on this promise. I remember this woman really well. Her name was Elsie. She was an 87-year-old widow on a fixed income. And she came to me after church one morning when we'd focused on stewardship. And she whispered to me. She gave me a hug and whispered in my ear that she could increase her giving a dollar and 70 cents a week. She gotten an increase in her social security check and she was so excited. Now that is being faithful. That's hilarious giving. Folks trusting God is not playing the lottery. God will bless sacrificial giving. Number two, you might not give to your church if God no longer has a claim on your life. Does the reality, does the largesse of God still grab you? Does the reality of God hold you tight? Does the do the promises of God and the fullness of God does it command your attention? You know, as the pastor, I'm the leader of a faith movement. Not the manager of a financial institution. And not the curator of a museum. We are disciples of the Lord of history, not an organization of do-gooders. If it feels like God doesn't have much of a claim on your life, let me suggest a way back. If we're to believe the observation of Jesus in Matthew 6, where your treasure is, there will your hearts be also. Apparently, a way to reconnect with God and God's priorities is to let your wallet lead the way. That could be the beginning of reconnecting with God. Let your wallet lead the way because where your treasure is That's where your heart will be also. So if God is no longer an important resident in your life, more like a casual visitor, then you probably shouldn't give. And number one, you might want to stop giving if giving is a chore or if it makes you sad. Remember that God loves a cheerful giver. God loves a hilarious giver giver. Remember that sort of picture in your mind of that child of Samson in the offering plate. That was such a great lesson for me when that seventh grader did that at the retreat. Stewardship's not about the money. It's what it represents. It's what it makes happen. So if giving is a pain in the neck for you, or if it makes you sad or upset, just stop. Walk away like the rich young man in the gospel today. So there you have it. Those are my top ten reasons to stop giving to the church. You made it through it. If this list doesn't have you thinking, or if this list hasn't convinced you to stop, then let me suggest you try this. How about giving until it feels good? Until the amount just cracks you up? Make that kind of a commitment this year while you're thinking about it. I'm going to give this next year what is hilarious. That's right. I'm not preaching this. I know it from experience. A generous and sacrificial offering makes you feel good. It's hilarious. There's a joy, there's a satisfaction in knowing you are giving all you got. God promises to bless that kind of giving. And this church, we could use it. May it be so among us. Amen. Glory be to you, Heavenly Father, through Christ our Lord, who with the Holy Spirit reigns eternally, one God, now and always. Amen.